Hello, this is uh, Nathan of the Cactus Hugs podcast. I'm here with my friend Joe Lyons. Of the Messed Up Mustard Bottle. And we are here to uh, talk about what it means to be a spiritual leader for your community and what the burden is. Um, we're going to start with uh, Psalms 91. Joe, that not that one of your favorite psalms? Uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite psalms because it's... Um... It's a psalm of protection, so you pray it. You pray a prayer of protection. If you look through Psalms uh, 91 all all the way through it, it's telling you how protected you truly are. So um, when people have issues and they're asking for prayer, you don't just go and and just pray because the the Lord told you to put the the word put him in remembrance of his word. He said that the Holy Spirit hovers above the earth. Uh, waiting to do the will of God, so if he wrote it, then it has to be true. You know, and uh, you, I pray this prayer specifically over folks that are, you know, dealing with the attacks of the wicked one. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and what's that say, man? says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of my Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perils of pestilence. He shall cover me with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by the day, nor of the perils, nor of the pestilence, excuse me, that walks in the darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste in noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but none shall come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, in your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For you, for he shall give his angels charge over thee, and keep you in all your ways. And in their hands they would bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, and the young lion and the serpent shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, and deliver him, and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him, and show him my salvation. Joe, you told me uh, a couple weeks ago to read Psalms 91. And ever since, I've been drawn to it. And I don't really truly understand it um i i mean i get the gist of it you know but why did you want me to read that psalm uh, psalms 91 is um like i said it's protection prayer and you being the head of your household uh, you get a real grasp of what psalms 91 is and you start praying that over your family and um over the doorways of your house, you know. And uh, you just keep the Lord in, in remembrance of his word. And there's a lot of great things in there. It lets you know 
um, how protected you are, how important you are, you know, and, I, and the Bible tells you to stay humble, but you got to understand things. But God, you are his precious thing. You're his gift to the world, and you should act as such. And you can't if you're worried about everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, um, you, um, how long have you been, uh, a, a Christian then? How many years now? Um, I've been in Subaki for nine, eight years, but I, I would say six or seven serious years. Okay. Okay. Then, so, I mean, you've been doing that, um, walk for a while um and then what was the turning point or did someone tell you hey joe i think that um you should be a leader oh that man yeah what what was that like when uh, when did that happen did someone tell you did something speak to your heart did you read a verse actually i was in church and uh, <clears throat> we have a prayer line and my aunt asked me if I would go and stand in for her because she wasn't at church. Okay. So I did. And um, while I was in that prayer line, and it got to be my turn, because uh, we believe in the in the laying of hands, it tells you that you know hands on the sick and they'll recover. Yep. And when Pastor touched me, man, I mean, there's there's no way for me to explain what happened. Or how it felt, or nothing, and uh, I, I legitimately felt the power of God and the Holy Spirit, and I, I knew who Jesus was from my very, very younger days. I just, um, my family and I walked away from the church. And when I say my family, I mean my mother back when I was um, twelve or so. Yeah. Uh, so I knew, I knew what the presence of God felt like. I just hadn't been reminded of what it felt like. So um, when that happened, I got I started to get serious with God. And then um, I fasted for three days. And this was about a, about a year after that, I fasted for three days. And uh, people started coming at me and asking me about, about the Bible and whatnot. And I asked God a very specific prayer. I said, you know, how do I bring the warrior from the street into the church? Mm. Because me in the street, I would, I was a different kind of warrior, you know? Like, you you would fight odds that you knew you couldn't win. Okay. You know, you'd be out there and take on 10, 15 people knowing you're going to lose, but you won't quit. How do you bring that guy into the church? And, uh. As I was praying and seeking God and praying and seeking God, and he told me I needed to preach, and I, I legit said to God, listen, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't think people's going to listen to me, you know. And my aunt had passed away during this, uh, during this um, moment that I'm, I'm, wrestling with god i won't i won't say i was fighting with him but i was i was kind of like teetering well, i was kind of grappling with him about what i'm supposed to be doing uh, okay because you have your own doubts and, and your own fears and at that time you hadn't um 
really worked out how to deal with those things. So when my aunt died, uh, she had a widowmaker heart attack. So it was just, she was at my house uh, on a Thursday and we sat in my living room and she gave all of her pain and, and all of her depression and stress. She gave it all to God that day right there in my living room. Really? On a Thursday, yeah. So I'm, she, uh, she, she knew she was dying? and I, I, She didn't say that, uh, but I think that she felt it coming because a widow-maker heart attack is basically when your heart explodes. Oh, you know? I've never heard that term yeah. before. Well, it's, and uh, so this happened to her, and so she just... Right. It, it's, it's, not a, it's not... More than likely, it's not a survivable thing, uh, but... So on Thursday, that Thursday, she came to my house, and we had a we had a um, an awesome moment uh, in the Lord, and she just let go of all the weight that she was carrying and all that burden. And then that Saturday, she had a little make a heart attack and died. So uh, my cousins were at her funeral, and they stood up to speak, and they choked out, and I couldn't just leave them up there like that, you know. So I got up and I started to speak, and then scripture just started to fall out of my mouth and uh there was two witnesses that told my wife and two witnesses that told me you know what they what the one who doesn't even go to church told my wife she said he, he said i don't care what you have to do push him pull him get behind him get beside him get in front of him i don't care he needs to preach you know and uh two witnesses to her two to me so i went to pastor him and uh i told god i said okay if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. But you got to make sure you're in control, man, because I really didn't think people would listen to me. And there's a, a lot of people who do. But I went to I went to pastor and said, listen, I, I fasted for three days. I prayed hard. I've sought God. And I'm pretty sure I need to preach, you know. And he said, well, and my, my pastor's answer to everything is I'll pray about it. Just everything. Yeah. Yeah, so um, he said, I knew that when you walked in the door. I said, that's weird, man. Like, that's weird. <laughs> and he said, why? I said, your answer to everything is I'll pray about it, okay? And that's what I was I was looking for, and you just hit me with left field, you know? And I was like, plus, if you knew what, you'd tell me. And he said, that wasn't for me. That's for you. You had to figure that out. And if you chose to take the step... And you chose to take the step. Then he looked at me and said, so next week you're preaching, right? Ooh. Right. You know, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> wait, wait. Well, this is, we're just talking about it. What's you know, going like, on here? And there a, a training or he's like, well, if you're called to do it, you'll do it, right? And I, and I couldn't argue with that. So You uh, can fight 15 men, Joe, but you don't want to talk in front of 15 men? Well, I didn't want to get it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to get it wrong. To talk in front of people is easy. Right. But it's just funny that you're more nervous about that <laughs> than actually brawling it out. Yeah, out, out in the street, it didn't matter, you know. And uh, God had to really uh, work on on the aggressive piece of me because uh, I grew up in a broken home, so you know. Uh, yeah. You didn't have a father in your house, so you had to be the baddest man on the block, and you know that's no way to grow up. I got scars all over my body just from leading life the wrong way so uh when god called me to, to to be a preacher i knew that being a preacher could turn into pastoralship but 
I wasn't sure that's where he was going to take it, but I, I know now that that's, that's where he's taking it. So um, not only do you have to lead in what you say, yeah. or, but you have to lead in, in how you live. It's not just what you do. It's so, how you live. So what was the biggest lesson you learned as uh, being a leader, uh, a spiritual leader? Because, Joe, I got to tell you, every, everywhere I go or interact with you or t uh, hear about you, you are um, – it's always about man uh, on the on on the lines of you doing leadership things i mean whenever you talk to me you say hey man there's this person you don't give me a name you tell me the situation if it if it's appropriate um actually no, you do give me a name, but you, you don't really go into detail about, you know, their life or anything. And then you say, all right, this is the prayer that they need. And what's funny is that I never had that. I never had someone go up to tell me and, you know, hey, you need to pray about this or this person needs this type of prayer. And not only do you lead everyone um, around me, but you also lead me and you have actually pushed me into a, a stronger walk you know, and um, I knew the moment I saw you at Tsubaki, I was like, ah, oh, that guy's going to make me work. <laughs> I got to steer clear from this guy. And uh, no, uh, and um, and everyone around you is asking you for advice. Spir I mean, spiritual advice. I've asked you for spiritual advice. You go to apartment complexes and you preach and you teach and people that know you like know you really personally um they can't take that they can't comprehend that because they you know like you said in the last podcast with you you just they were there when they saw you they you know they they grew up with you you know just like in the bible the carpenter's son you know um so you know what was to get to that point you know what was the hardest or biggest lesson that you learned Hardest and, and biggest aren't the same. Um, yeah. The biggest lesson that I learned was um, I'm the problem. As far as, uh, you know, watching your mouth and, and applying God's word and not being a, uh, a dressed up or, or whitewashed Christian. What that means is that you go to, you go to church on Sunday, but that's where you leave your Christian at church or you see pastor and Miller's and you straighten up right quick, you know, um, that was the biggest lesson. I wonder what that's like when people figure out, Oh yeah, I'm a pastor and they've been cussing like a sailor. Oh bro. I can tell you. I mean, what, what is that like, you know, it, to have that power? It well, it's a, too late now. It is amazing. You're, you're, you're a sinner now. I'm, it, I'm tell God. It's amazing that, um, like one, I I look the way I look, and I do not look like a pastor or no. a preacher, and that's okay. Uh, so folks get around and they'll just be it flowing out of their mouth he's, with vulgarities. And uh, he's one of us. Wait, did I do that? I'll invite them to church, and they'll be like, "Oh wait, you're a preacher? I'm sorry." And I'll say this. I'll say this every time. Don't be sorry to God. Don't be sorry to me. God hears you all the time. Jesus is listening. Hey, Amen. I'm I'm not the problem. So uh, when when I learned that, um, 
Wait, I wait, was, wait. When I first interacted you did with you, did I do that? Uh, well, I mean, you're getting better, but um, I, I wouldn't say you started out with vulgarities. I'd say that I never do. I, I usually let you know people ease into it. <laughs> Ask my wife. But uh, you know, as long as um, that's the other thing about being a leader, uh, and and I'll get into the the hardest lesson here. Yeah. Um, but the biggest lesson was that I'm the problem. Brother Jr. at uh, at church, he, he always says, "What part of the problem are you?" You know, don't look at the problem and don't look at the other person. What part of this problem are you? And when you start to look at what part of, part of the problem you are, it's easier for you to understand how to fix it. So that was probably the biggest lesson. The hardest lesson, which is why when I'm, when we're at work and I uh, I hear Miss Jenny. Or I'll hear you, or, you know. Hardest lesson is these good looks ain't everything for <laughs> preaching, right, Joe? Uh, when I hear the vulgarities come out, I'll, yeah. I'll be like, listen, Jesus hears you, man. You know, and, uh, yeah, when you when you cut me with that, it's, it's like, oh, man. Because uh, it's true, and as you know, I, I have a loose tongue at work. I don't know what it is. You know, I, I see Gabe or I see Jack, and I'm like, man, I got to tell a dirty joke so I can stay popular. I can't let this, I can't let my street cred go down. But like, and then as, as I'm telling these jokes, then Joe, you know, you walk up and you go, <clears throat> and I look over to my shoulder and you're just pointing up at the sky. And I'm like, ah, boy. <laughs> and, and, and I, I hope that I am getting better, but like there, are, I, my loose tongue is terrible. I, I know I'm joking about it. I joke about things because it makes me uncomfortable, but that is a serious uh, problem that I do have because I wasn't the strongest. And like you said, I'm, I'm, you are from a broken home. So am I. I got adopted at age six, and it it I wasn't in a broken home all my life, um, but I wasn't the strongest like you. You know, you, you know, you would go around the block and just become alpha. You know? <laughs> I I was actually very timid, um, and the best way um, to be noticed was to be the funniest. I can't be the strongest, but I'll be the funniest, and people will like me for it. And so I have built up a large repertoire of dirty jokes. <laughs> and now Joe Lyons is telling me, no, you can't have that anymore. But come on, man. It makes me me. <laughs> uh, my son. <laughs> you know? So my I, son is a very timid person. Yeah. Uh, and some of the stuff that he says is hilarious. And, and it get, I'll get to rolling, you know. And, and he, he's got... It's a, like he's putting all his stats in charisma when you put all your stats into strength, you know? Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> that's the thing. He um, Every now and again, he'll get a little squirrely, and I'll be like, Joe, don't tell that one again, man. Ooh. And he'll be like, "Hey, da- don't hey dad me and don't butt dad me nothing. Don't tell that one again. Just don't do it. And he knows I'm serious because he wants he wants to negotiate with you and you're right. like this this isn't a negotiation. Like he, bud. Like he wants to change a word or clean it up. I'm like just leave, let it go, you know. And he knows I'm serious because I don't I don't usually tell him anything. 
I just laugh at him because he's funny. He's hilarious. But he's got to know where. Oh, man, that's worse because you know your kid messed up. And you know you have to discipline him. But it's so funny. And that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's when, so when, hard, you know. When he sees me get serious. Uh, and, and and he doesn't see me laugh at the joke. But he'll see me get serious. And he'll, he'll, he'll try to negotiate for a minute. And then he'll be like, man. If I can just make my dad just crack a smile, I'm off the, I'm off the hook. Now my six-year-old, <laughs> he gets, he gets away with a lot, because that dude is is absolutely hilarious. He'll, I'll be in the middle of discipline and he'll crack me right up. Yeah. And my wife's like Joe, and I'm like, well then you do it, <laughs> okay, because don't put this I can't, burden on me. I cannot discipline my son while I'm laughing at it. it makes you look like a sadist, you know. So. Um, that was not good. Man, it still There's going to be a bad. time where my son really messes up, and I'm laughing so hard. And I'm like, you can't do that. Don't, don't, no, you're going to your room. And he'll look at me, know my ways, and he'll be like, all right, Dad. And then walk away knowing that he's not going to get in trouble because it was so funny. That's when, that's when. Um, <laughs> I, I will rue that day. That's when God, that, that's why God gave us wives because, uh. They're supposed to be here to help us when we're stupid. And uh, most of the time I'm stupid, so she has to do all the... My wife has to do all the work. When it comes to humor, it's, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not very smart. You're not very stout, yeah. are you? I mean, I'll laugh and I'll joke, and but I can't stay real serious with my six-year-old and he knows it and he uses it, but... Uh, the hardest lesson that I ever learned was uh, the Bible says you can drink just not on the drunkenness. Mm. I can show you where it says that, but um also says be ye of a sober mind. And it tells you to abide by the laws of the land. Okay. So if you take uh, not to drink on the drunkenness and abide by the laws of the, the land, the laws of the land says that whether you're six foot five and three hundred pounds or you're five foot four and hundred and fifty pounds. Your body only processes one beer per hour in order not to be legally drunk. Okay. So, you can have a beer one hour. That's it. Yeah. And uh, there's a young man, me and my brother, we were working uh, in the garage. And I had a beer with my brother. I know what the book says. Um, He did not know what the book says. And when he walked into that, garage because we had the bay door open man we had music going and uh you know we're working on stuff redneck mm-hmm. stuff you know um when we walked in there i had a beer in my hand and uh this was early early you know in in, uh, in the walk and all he saw was a christian that went to church on sunday and drank every other day but he didn't know um he know what the truth was as, oh, as far okay. as as far as what you're allowed and what you're not allowed to do, he didn't know that. And I lost the chance to witness to him. I lost the chance to lead him down a, a, a better path. And um, I was talking to Pastor about it, and Pastor said, there can be no appearance of evil in your life. It's just the appearance gets a perception of someone else. Now, and, is, and is that for, you know... The Lord knows he actually can see your heart. He can actually see your soul. But people can't see that. They can only see what the physical is. So if they they see 
you know, what it appears to be evil, they'll judge you and they won't listen to what what the word has to say through you. Is that why? Or Well yeah, because the perception of other people, no matter how deceived it is, is oh, okay. their reality. So yeah. if if perception mm-hmm. is reality, then deception is reality because you yeah. can you can perceive anything to be anything. Um I wouldn't say that what he perceived uh or his assumption would have been wrong you know what i mean like it would make sense if that's where he went so um and he he's doing significant amount of time in prison right now oh boy so losing that opportunity uh, is the hardest lesson i ever learned uh, and uh so i don't i don't drink uh i don't do drugs i do nothing i mean and the bible says what it says, and that's fine, but uh, I don't drink at all. And and the, the thing about leadership is, and when I said you have to live it, like you literally have to live it. And uh, a you teacher... Can't, you can't just have that outside appearance because eventually people are going to see the fake, hollow life that you live. Right, and, and, and well, it's not even just the, the, the fake, hollow life. I, I was... I was legit with God, and I and I read the Bible, and I knew what it said about alcohol, um, and I didn't I didn't misstep that. But with that appearance, I lost the opportunity to bring a a, a troubled young man to Christ, and now he's in prison. And I'm not saying that he's in prison because of uh, I missed that opportunity, but I'm saying, and listen, if I could have got him, he wouldn't be there, you know. If yeah. God could have used me as the tool that I'm supposed to be, he wouldn't be there. That's real. You know, so it was, it was, uh, so that was a pretty sobering experience for you. It was a very, yeah, I that got what, beat, what, what was on the line. I got beat really hard. Um, I got chastised really hard because, uh, now, you know, now, you know that it's not, it's not a game. It's not know. something that you can well, just you, take a break from. It has you, to be right. You all know. in or don't even deal with it. Yeah, you know. Do now, something else if you can't do it all the time, one hundred percent. The level of success and the level of failure is not measured by material things. There's something so much greater at risk, and you know that young man. That's what's in the balance. Yeah. The balance is. Did you do everything you could possibly do in order to bring this individual to Christ? They were seeking, and did, or did you provide the way you should? Yeah. And if you didn't, the gravity of your failure is is hard to deal with sometimes. Yeah, I I have um, read so many books, watched so many videos, heard so many stories, talked to so many people about what it means to be a leader, and I don't think I'm a leader. I don't want to be a leader, um, and I and there's nothing wrong with saying I don't think I'm a leader. Now, there's times in your life where you're going to have to lead, you know. You well, know, you, besides you, my family. I was about to say, yeah, you have, you have besides my three family, to lead right now. I have to lead. But outside um, leading a group of people, I don't think that's for me. 
helping those people and caring for those people and helping the people that actually lead. I think that's that's what I that's what I want to do because there's just so much um, responsibility to leading and so much on the line. And from my experiences, I don't really know what to do when when I'm put in a position to lead. I always second guess myself. But I've always noticed if I put some if I if I step down, I can spot a leader. If I can step down and let that person lead and then just do what, you know, he tells like for Jack, I'm not talking about spiritual things. That's dangerous. <laughs> but like at work, you know, um, I see Jack or Gabe and I feel like, you know, I have the right answer, but. If I'm not sure, I will go to them or I will go to you. And how do you get people to, you know, realize, all right, maybe that's not what you're called to do. You know, that that maybe that's not your spot. There's nothing wrong with that. There are other great works to do just as important as a leader. I tell people all the time, from the pastor to the plumber. I'm a plumber. We need them all, and uh, that's why it says the body of Christ. The body of Christ, it's not just a, a heart, a chest, a shoulder. It's an arm. It's a forearm. It's a fingertip. It's a toe. It's a foot. It's a leg. It's a back, you know, and with God at the head, you see. So you can't have 45 arms. And you'll never be the top leader. But the the, yeah. the, the way that I would tell... The most surefire way you're supposed to find out what you're supposed to do is you hit your knees and you talk to God and you pray. But what people don't see of of great leaders, and it doesn't matter whether you're talking about um, spiritually or you're talking about worldly, what people don't see is the is the folks behind the the scenes of that leader. Yeah, everybody's got some kind of backing. Yeah, and uh, that backing. If you build that backing right, then you can become a very successful leader. But uh, if you don't build that backing right, like right now, um, I didn't have the resources to do this. Oh, the podcast? And uh, you was like, listen, I got this going. Let's jump on this. And you was just... uh, I knew what to do. I had the income. I knew exactly what I wanted, but I needed... Uh, I needed a voice, and God presented me with the sweetest, feather-like, silky smooth voice of, of me. No, <laughs> no, Joe Lyons. Uh, but I mean, it's like raspy, gargling gravel at a low tone. I was ready. I was ready to do this, and, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. Uh, you just didn't know no. how to go about it. So, and I'm not saying that you're a, you're a supporting role. That's between you and God, you know. Yeah. Um, but for like George Washington, Abe Lincoln, all them, all them people, MLK, all those people had somebody backing them, somebody supporting them, somebody to to when things need. Like my pastor right now. Yeah. If if I got issues I can't deal with, or uh, I don't know how to deal with, that's mm-hmm. a better way to put it. You know, I call pastor and say, hey. 
And this is what's going on, and, and uh, I'm not real sure if I have this right, but let me run this by you to make sure. And then he'll say wisdom. Plus, let me pray on it. <laughs> Nowhere in this Bible, right, does it tell you that uh, you by yourself. Yeah. You know, it says uh, when two or three agree upon any one thing on earth as it is in heaven. Or it shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. When two or three agree, right? So and I'm not saying prayers don't work when you pray them on your own. Yeah. I'm just saying when two or three agree, it shall be done. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say if. It says it shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. So why would why would anyone want to walk down that road by themselves? And why would... Um, why would you want to be in a position that isn't for you? Because you're not going to do that job at 100%. Because you can't. Not, you're, not, you're not made for that. You're not built for that. Right. That's like um, it's like my six-year-old trying to like, build yeah, chain right now. He didn't, he's not built for that at six. It's like, it's like me trying to live your life by beating down 15 people with my bare strength. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not you, Joe. I didn't, I didn't win that. I can't, I can't eat steak raw and bloody. <laughs> I like it tender and cooked well. Uh, the, I'm a very weak and passionate man. The uh, the 15 people was a terrible choice. <laughs> I'm good at a joke, though. I went home with I a, got more charisma than you. Uh, that's good. You What's said, up? Uh, I went home with a lot of bruises that day. And uh, I'm glad that God delivered me. I'm glad that um, my fight isn't a physical fight. I'm so glad. Uh but there are there are spiritual wounds sometimes. Yeah. Those are those types of wounds are are the worst. Physical wounds I you know, you can deal with time gets pet well you know, cuts and scrapes and fine, not joint pain I guess. But um spiritual wounds if you want that to heal you have to work hard at that. Well, and that's yeah, what I mean, I mean with have to... with that young man. Uh, I mean, it 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 cut me so deep, you know, just so deep. And uh, it took a little while for me to really get down on what I was supposed to do. And that's where uh, the leadership really started to blossom. Is um, through this adversity, I found what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Uh, and, and, well, not what I'm supposed to be doing, but how I should be doing it, rather, you know. Um, so spiritual wounds are hard, but if you if you mend them properly, you are 100% better than you were for it, you know. All right. Um, like, I, I, I got wounded when my family just wanted to come and see if I had the chops. I got wounded. Yeah. Uh, but... I also found in the Bible where a prophet won't be accepted in his own hometown. Because people see him. People people watch Jesus grow up and so on, you know. So um, it's not like God didn't tell me this was happening. You didn't dig far enough to read it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, that wound, I was, I was 100% better for it because now I understand. I can't worry about whether or not you get to heaven. I can only show you the path. You know, because I can't drag you to heaven with me. Yep. You know, so, and man, my sister came in 
last Sunday. Same sister that showed up to see if I had the chops first time I preached, man. Really? She, yeah. Was that the first in. time since? Uh, wasn't the first time, but it was the first um, legitimate thing. And, I, and what I mean by that is she um, she was having some medical issues, and she came into church, and uh, she got in a prayer line, and uh, pastor started praying, and we started agreeing. There's there's usually like four of us agreeing. As two or three agree upon earth, you see it's a thing. Um, so when when the prayer happened, she started crying, and for the first time, I would venture to say, since we were kids, my sister and I embraced one another um, with a real embrace. You know, I mean. You hug your your sister and family, you know, but it's not. <laughs> that's the that's <laughs> way they are. Like, all right, bye. Uh, come you know, on, come um, you, you know I love you. You got get that out of here. that one arm kind of. All right, I love you. Get off me, hug. You know. Stop eating my poop. But, get out of my house. And right there, <laughs> right there in the middle of church, uh, we're in the the middle of the aisle, praise and worship's happening all around us, and I'm just holding on to my sister, and it was amazing. And, and what you learn from that is, be patient. That yeah. message that you think they didn't hear, they heard. It just might take a while for them to grasp, you know. Oh, for that seed to grow. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, but to be a leader, I, I don't think people should be quick to do it. When uh, I told pastor, he sat down, we had a long talk, and he said, being a pastor is a lonely road, man. And I was like, how's that even possible? You know what I mean? You have a church of people. How is that a lonely road, you know? And he was like, there are things and there will be things. There's just people that won't that be you have able to, to understand. Well, he said there are things, there will be things that yeah. you have to handle on your own. Yeah. And there's not going to be anybody there to help you stand. And you're going to have to stand up. And I had no idea uh, what he was talking about until uh, I got left hooked, man, hard. My, uh, uh, there's an individual that lost his, his boy, 17 months old. Uh, I knew this kid. Oh, you know, I, I played with this kid. I talked to this kid. You know what I mean? And uh, this 17-month-old kid, you know, I would go down there to talk to his dad, and, and I would be standing there talking to his dad, and the little boy would be shaking the gate, screaming at me, you know, and I'd have to stop talking to his dad, bend down and talk to him, because that's what he wanted. He wanted me to talk to him. <laughs> Uh, so I would start talking to him, and sometimes I'd I'd play with his toys and stuff, and his dad be apologize, and I don't don't apologize. He's just yeah, he's the a best kid, toys. Man. I don't know. Yeah. So um, the 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 moment that he told me that he lost his son, I knew what he was gonna ask me. It was terribly hard to preach that funeral. Uh, you have to go up there and. I mean, these are the last words anyone's going to say in a, in a group setting about your loved one and your loved one being so young, you know? How do you, how do you get past that, Joe? couple of how, ways. How do, how, do you, how do you get past that and still love God and, and trust in him enough to say, hey, you, you gave them to me and it, it was your right to take them back whenever you wanted. I don't it's, believe... It's your will. God stopped taking life with Jesus. Okay. He'll accept you. 
but um, death, death isn't, I don't believe death is of God. Yeah, we die. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But he I said, I'm, I am the life. He didn't say, right. I am the death. Right. Like, what? what? <laughs> you know? So, for me, it was, um, it was terribly hard. It was the first time I sat down and I couldn't work out a sermon. Yeah, I just couldn't stop thinking about the boy. Right, and um, I, your I, mind's I, clouded and your heart's broken, you know. So uh, I called my uncle and I called pastor and I said, listen, I don't want to not do this, but I'm going to need some help. I don't know where to, I don't know how to go about it. So my uncle, yeah. my, yeah. him and I sat down, because uh, <clears throat> pastor's, pastor's busy, you know. Him and I sat down and um, yeah, we worked it out, and, and it ended up being a, a glorious thing. And my uncle and I had a a moment to bond, and it was pretty pretty great. But um, while I was standing up there, it was legit me by myself, and you got you know forty forty five people, and you you can't grieve. Yeah, and they're expecting you to lead right. them through this, and it's. And and, well, and I don't even know how to get through this. They're all leaning on you, and and here's what you do. You said, "Lord, you know that I am nothing without you, but with you, I have the strength to conquer all things. All I'm asking is that you handle this right now, because you know that I can't. My back's not strong enough." And he'll he'll come down and, and he'll take care of it. He'll be like, okay, I got you. And um, he'll handle things for you. And later on, when you get by yourself, grieve. Don't forget to do that. In a situation like that, what happens is you get through it. Even Jesus cried over Lazarus. If, 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 you know, there there is a time. Yeah, if, if you it don't. It needs to be done. If you don't do it because you were standing strong for someone else, it will it will constantly rub on your conscience and, and bump your soul sometimes, you know. Absolutely. So don't forget, don't forget to, to, to grieve because you need to. It tells you to. It says there's a time to grieve. So do it. You know, you don't have to... Who are you staying strong for in your secret place when you're praying to God? Right. Nobody. So cry if that's what you got to do. And don't give me no nonsense about men not crying. You know, they do. I got to figure it out because crying don't make sense to me. Uh, and but, but I, um, I bet that day you did. There was a 16-year-old, the 16-year-old that I was talking about. Yeah. She sent me a message yesterday, right before I started playing ball. And uh, the gist of the message was, you know, maybe you need to look at things differently. Like God humbling you. And softening your heart and stop looking at it like a bad thing. And stop trying to understand why people cry. And just roll with what God's doing to your heart. Mm-hmm. And she's 16. And I'm, I'm her leader. Understand what just happened right there. She 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 just reversed roles, man. Right. And, Whoa. And are you... Hey, you don't talk to me that way. I'm the leader here. Right. Are, <laughs> are you aware enough, right? Are you aware enough and are you ready enough to take a lesson when it's given to you 
Or are you just, because if you're, this is my position and you're under me, so don't tell me nothing. You're not a leader and you shouldn't be in there. That's not something you should be doing because you're going to lead people down wrong paths. Mm -hmm. the, the, the lesson was sound. God is softening my heart. And God is humbling me every day that I walk with God. He's humbling me and softening my heart, right? So why am I looking at that as something different? And here's what's happening. What's happening is you're holding on to a piece of the world because that's what you were conditioned to think or be. And you need no piece of this world. We're supposed to walk above this world, you know? So... She she has no idea. I haven't talked to her about it yet, but she has no idea how deep those thoughts went. You know, it's always been, it has been nothing but uh, a pleasure um, working at Tsubaki and um, having you over my shoulder because I do have, even though I'm not a leader, I do have, you know, things to share. You know, I do read my Bible and I do read... My prayer, I have a different perspective of you. But it's always been great that whenever I'm discussing or helping or giving advice, you're always over my shoulder, always helping me out or, you know, letting me know, you know, or or giving a little bit more information that I might not have. And that's... I think that's what I really needed, um, someone to watch me over my shoulder and to tell me, hey, Nathan, watch your tongue. Watch your mouth, Nathan. Ah, uh, man. So, you know, um, still working on that, but that's been so great. I mean. The amazing thing that every leader everywhere, I don't care, is, is yeah, I might be your accountability partner, but it's not like you're not mine. Mm -hmm. It's not like. It's just me, you know, holding you accountable. Yeah. The great thing about being a preacher is that I am open to being held accountable when I step sideways and Nathan sees it. Hey, Joe. No, nah, man, that's, <clears throat> that's not you, man. You know, I'm telling pastor. <laughs> so, Get ready Sunday. Uh, so, I mean, uh, if, if everybody... Across the, the the globe would understand what accountability partner was, and the great thing about being a Christian is you have as many Christians as that are out there. That's how many accountability partners you have. But uh, the great thing for you and I is that we have it on a on a personal level. And that's great. Um, and and on all those people that come through uh, Subaki, I talk with my hands, so I'd, I'd be bumping stuff. <laughs> Uh, on all them people that's come through Subaki, all yeah, the people I know you'd be to, bumping stuff there, Joe. This guy. Um, <laughs> you're the only one that, that has uh, taken steps to further things. You know what I mean? Not just you, but this on itself is a furtherment. You know, and... and oh, this podcast? Yeah. And I get um, I get feedback about how you see me, which is great because I don't, 
I don't see me that way. I actually drew you, <laughs> and you put yourself on a face mask and on a shirt. And I'm like, wow, no one's ever done that for my artwork. Yeah, my, my daughter. I, I remember because you're. I, I heard you preach for the first time, and you were very excited. You came to me, and during the whole preach, I was sketching you. I was sketching your face. <laughs> I was sketching what I saw. And you come up to me and you're like, so what you think, Nathan? What you think? What you think? And I was like, well, Joe, you know, I, you know, I've heard it before. And like the spirit kind of drained from your eyes a little bit. Oh, well, you know, you know, well, you know, well, you know, I've been preaching to you at Subaki and stuff like that. And then you walked away, you know, a little sad, but little did you know, I wanted to draw you and I draw, I drew you. Like I went up to your car and I was like, "Hey Joe, remember that preaching?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Nathan, I just want to let you know I'm not offended. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. And um, like I said, Joe, the reason why I didn't talk that much, so you said I can't really express things with words. I can only express things with my art. I remember I was at Yellowstone National Park and we were on a mountain and it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Also at Grand Canyon. My dad got mad at me because I was quiet. I was just quiet. And he thought that I was mad or depressed or I wasn't playing my video games or whatever. And he got mad. He was like, hey, why are you, why are you mad? And my mother knew what I was doing. She knew how I looked at things when I'm drawing. When I draw, I have this look about my 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 face. I've never seen it, but they say they tell me Nathan, I've never seen you any more serious and you know me, Joe. I don't get serious. <laughs> but when I draw, I'm serious. And all my focus is on that piece of paper. And that's what I was doing at Yellowstone. My didn't my dad didn't get that yet, you know. But my my mother knew, and she said, you know, Kurt, he's he's just taking it in. He's just taking it in. That's what I was doing for you. And why, the reason why I said those few words at church after that preaching was because I was taking it in. I was trying to remember everything that I saw so that I could put that on that piece of paper to draw you with that fire of a tongue that you have. And then when I gave it to you, I said, Joe, this is what I saw. I'm sorry I could not express that into words, but this is what I saw. And I gave it to you, and you're, ha, ha! <laughs> <laughs> that, was, uh, that, was a, um, that was amazing. And when I put it on my mask, um, my daughter was like, Dad, can I put that on a shirt? So literally, like, all... There's a little section of the high school that's on a cross-country team that has seen that drawing every day since practice started. So, uh, but maybe you should learn something. <laughs> but uh, who's that? Oh, someone you need to meet. Oh, she tells him this is my preacher daddy. <laughs> and I'm like, the way you say that sounds sounds like it's bad. It's you know, weird. You, you should find a better way to say that, but. Um, Nah, she 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 loves that sweatshirt, uh, but that's kind of the way it happens for a sermon. You know what I mean? There there's a lot of people need it quiet, and and they need a 
uh, an office or whatever. I've um, I used to go down to Sherry's uh, and sit there with a cup of coffee and just talk to God. Everything going on around me, coffee machines rolling because it doesn't it doesn't matter. None of it matters. All it matters is I'm sitting here talking to God, and, and I've worked out sermons just sitting in Sherry's. You know, I had a table. And and God will put something on my heart, and then you have to go. The great thing about me is that God will put it on my heart, but He won't give me none of the information. <laughs> right? So he likes to mess with you, like. So that. you're like, okay, I gotta go, and then you have to go search out everything to find out what He was talking about. Here's a treasure map. Get to get to hunting. The thing, uh, can you give me a compass? <laughs> I said get to hunting. The thing that used to really irritate me, and then I talked to God about it. Uh, was I'd work all week, man, on a sermon, sometimes two weeks on a sermon. And, and then uh, between morning church and afternoon church, he would completely change the sermon. And I'm like... Yeah, you told me that. Yeah, I was like, bro. Why did you Why did you make me go through this? Right? I've been working on this for a week, man. And... Uh, I thought it'd be funny. God says... Uh, <laughs> my answer was simple. He said, well, that was for you. Yeah, and, I, and what a gut punch that was, and and yet an uplifting thing all at the same time because not wrong. I just had, <laughs> that's, that's I just a, had because you still want to be bitter, right? right. And, and you're he, like, he's not wrong. And you start to look at it, and I just had a legitimate week long conversation with God, and that's amazing. You took a week to talk to me, and and Joe, you want to complain yeah. about that? At first I did. <laughs> and you look a little sheepish over there, bud. Well, I did at first. I was, I was, I was upset that you put all that work in, man. And you know, because working on a sermon, it takes time, it takes diligence, it, it takes effort. You know, like, uh, like building a coffee table or changing brakes on a car. You know, whatever. It takes time and effort. Yeah. And you're proud, you know, that God uses you, this humble little piece of uh, individual, to make this happen and then he's like yeah no we're doing something else and you're like dude you could see him going to gabriel hey gabriel remember joe yeah watch this <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh when 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 i was i was praying about it it was those those ones that he doesn't use they're not they weren't for anybody but you yeah so all that correction and chastening that you got searching it out yeah, it was all yours. Mm. So, but it, and it's not a bad thing. It's great because I know where I need to fix it. And you took time out a whole week just to talk to me. So, yeah. Joe, people are thinking about um, becoming leaders in uh, the family of Christ. What's um, what's your warning to them? What what's the warning uh, from yeah. God? It's not my warning. It's, it's not a warning, but it's just be aware. I, I believe it's God's warning, just not mine. Oh, okay, it's a warning. <laughs> it's God's warning, not mine. But um, the thing about being a, a leader in in the church or a teacher in the church is that you got to understand that now it's not just the responsibility of you. You know, you have a responsibility to lead down the right paths, other people down the right paths. And if you don't, you lead them down the wrong paths, that's on you. I know the Bible says that a man is responsible for his own soul salvation, I'm aware, but you can hinder that growth and you can hinder that walk and you can hinder that path. 
And if you do that, that's not going to be a good thing for you. And it says in... in when you die, all you hear, I warned you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, you hear it in, in, in James chapter 3, verse 1. It says, my brethren... Go... It says, my brethren, uh, let not many of you become teachers, knowing we all shall receive a stricter judgment. So teachers are going to re receive a stricter judgment, right? And in verse 2, it says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in the word, right, he is a perfect man, all, but able also to bridle the whole body. Now, to bridle the whole body. Uh, you have a you have a congregation, a flock, right? And uh, the bridle in a, in a horse's mouth is where you lead it. So the bridle's in the mouth. If you tug right, it goes right. You tug left, it goes left, you know. Uh, so you're leading that church the same way you lead that horse. And if you lead that church down wrong paths, it says right here, don't be so quick to become a teacher, because you'll be judged more harshly. There's going to be a stricter judgment for you. So if you're not willing uh, to take on that responsibility or that burden, don't. Just just walk away and do another work for for the Lord. Right. That's and that's. I had to really search some things out in my own soul when I seen it, you know, because yeah, I'm I I know I make mistakes, but I can never make this mistake this word can never be a mistake you have to be on point with that all the time and when you talk to somebody about god you're gonna need to use that word you got to use that scripture and you got to use it correctly because if you look at where jesus was tempted satan was using the word incorrectly and it was still the word yeah um so you have to really be careful about what you're doing and if you're if you're called to preach that angel that protection that no evil shall befall you will be encamped around you and, and yeah. you'll you'll get the revelation of how important it is to not be wrong with that word. All right. Well next Saturday, I know Monday we're having a podcast with Lester. That's awesome. Uh we gotta get Lester to listen to these podcasts, uh let him know that it's not like in the uh, cafeteria where you're trying to cram um, all that information in 10 minutes, at which point, I mean, I don't know how it can't be an argument, but, um, and then next Saturday, we are going to have, uh, Brent Walden, my boss. Hey, this will be great, you know, we'll have him next Saturday, and we're going to be talking about, uh, leadership roles, um, I can't yeah. wait for that. I really can't wait. For yeah, that. I wish he was on this episode yeah. and <laughs> just went on to leadership. So, um, yeah. So everyone, you know, we encourage you to really study your word, be fluent with the word. Um, and if you're thinking about being a leader, Make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Make sure you have all the information because this is a big, big responsibility. Do not take it lightly. I didn't, and there's nothing wrong 
with saying maybe that's not for me. There are other things and, you know, just as important things Absolutely. in the church, you know. And don't forget, you know, to, to share share this stuff across your, your own social media platforms and whatnot. Get the, get the word out there so that everybody gets to hear it, you know. Yeah. Until next time. See ya.